0: I don't know about you, but I can remember the first time I realized I was at a place that was more than church. I hadn't been saved very long. We were going to Lindsey Lane Baptist Church with my pastor, Brother Dusty Michael Moore, and there was a group of men that was loading up in a bus going down to Birmingham from Athens to a promise keeper's meeting, and that was a big man movement at that time. God was using that in a pretty big way, and we all loaded up on that greyhound. We took off down there. We was going to be staying at his brother's big old church that night, sleeping in the youth room. So we had sleeping bags and stuff. We had everything except what we needed. It was going to rain the whole weekend, and not one of us had rain gear. So Brother Dusty took off to Walmart come back with bags, packs of garbage sacks. Being the rednecks they were, they had knives. We cut holes, put it in there, and we went. We got in there in that stadium, and I never knew that many men loved Jesus. There was thousands of men, and most of them were smarter than us because they had umbrellas, and they had raincoats, and it was just a multitude of all these different colors of men. And they came on, and they started praising the Lord and singing. And it was dark. It just got dark. And those stadium lights were all around us, and we were singing that song, Our God Reigns, Our God Reigns. And as we were singing, I was looking up and I could see where the dark became light, where the rain was falling and it would come past that light and it would just fall on me. And you might think I'm crazy, but I would said, Lord, thank you. Lord's falling on me. Soak me, Lord. Just soak me, cleanse me, wash me. And I was just thankful for that rain. And ever since then, that's been my heart. Lord, I don't want to be where you're not. Do that again. If you're not there, it's not worth going to. There's nothing better than church when God is there and it's alive and there's a spiritual, recognizable, undeniable presence of the living God. But there ain't nothing worse than dead church. If church is dead, go fishing. Or go find you one that is alive. But friends, I want to talk to us today about the importance of something that God's got on my heart. And I want to talk to us from the Word of God today about the spiritual healthy church. The spiritual healthy church. You see, churches are dead because they're not healthy. Unhealthy things die. Some of us are walking dead people because you haven't been saved, you haven't been born again. The spiritual... Spirit of God doesn't live in you. But some of you are saved, but you're not living a life that allows that Spirit to bless you and to fill you and to to be able to manifest in your life. And he's grieved. And and that's worse than being lost. The most unhappy person in here tonight, this morning, is not a lost man. It's the saved man who's backslidden, grieving the Spirit within him. Because I've been there. But friends, I want you to, to me. We're not going to be spiritual by accident. You're not going to be spiritual if you just casually go to church on the weekend and that's your biggest spiritual exercise. you got to exercise yourself toward godliness. And as we read right here, I want you to look at what Paul's telling a young preacher boy named Timothy. That's what this letter's written to. And he's writing to and telling him how to conduct yourself in the church, how to operate, how to run. In fact, This is the main theme. This is up in chapter 3. This is Paul's purpose for writing this whole letter. Paul said, these things I'm writing to you, though I hope to come to you shortly, but if I'm delayed, what he's saying, if I can't come, it can't wait. It's so important. You have to know how to conduct yourself. So I'm writing these things that you may know how you ought to conduct yourself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar of and ground of the truth. Guys, if we don't conduct ourselves in the right manner, if we don't exercise ourselves toward godliness, all we'll have is religion, Baptist church, and that's what's going on in way too many of them. So you have to realize that you have to do certain things, and he tells him where I want to start reading this morning. The text that we're going to dig into In 1 Timothy chapter 4, he says in verse 6, if you instruct the brethren, that's us, the brothers and sisters in Christ, in these things, what things? The things I'm writing to you, Paul, Timothy, the things I'm going to show you. If you instruct them in these things on how to conduct yourself in the church, you will be a good minister of Jesus Christ nourished in the words of faith. Guys, there's only one faith. And if you're going to be healthy, you've got to be nourished in the words of what we have our faith in. And he says, and of the good doctrine, that's the teachings, the things that we believe, the things that we teach, the things that we're commissioned to hand down from generation to generation so that we can be a church that God can use. And he says, which you have carefully followed. Guys, listen. It ain't enough to come and hear a sermon. If you don't carefully follow it, it's not going to do you any good. You've got to listen and obey and follow the word of God. That's what exercising yourself toward godliness is. Look at what he says. But reject profane and old wives' fables and exercise yourself toward godliness. Guys, there's some things out there that won't help you. It'll hurt you if you listen to it. If you allow it to be applied to your life and you follow it, it's going to hurt you. So he says, exercise yourself toward godliness. For bodily exercise, that's physical exercise, profits a little. But godliness is profitable for all things. Having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. And he tells him, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance. For to this end, we both, me and you, labor and we even suffer reproach because we trust in the living God who is the Savior of all men, especially of those who believe. And then look at what he says again. These things, these things that I'm writing to you, these things I've told you to instruct the brethren with, these things command and teach. Let no one despise your youth, Timothy, but be an example to the believers. In word, that's the first thing he says, in conduct in love, in spirit, in faith, in purity. Guys, listen, if we're not setting the right example, we can preach it, but if we ain't living it, we won't lead people to godliness. We'll run them from it. We'll cause them to stumble. And look at what he says right there. Till I come, give attention to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. Do not neglect the gift that is in you which was given to you by the prophecy with the laying on of the hands of the eldership. Look at what he says now. Meditate on these things, these things that I've shown you, that I've instructed you, these things that I've commanded you to teach. Give attention to them. Read them. Exhort people with them. Give them the sound doctrine. And he says, Take heed to yourself and to the doctrine. Continue in them, for in doing this, you will save both yourself and those who hear you. I want to talk to us a little while about new life for dying churches. That guy on that thing talked about planting new churches, and surely we need to plant new ones. There's a buzzword you may have heard going around called church revitalization. Church revitalization is an effort, a purposeful, you you set goals, And you seek the wisdom of the Lord and you take the Bible for your instruction and you find churches that are plateaued, that haven't grown for years, that are even in decline and they aren't growing, they aren't healthy. They're not being added to. They're dying. And you try to find a way to bring new life into them. Friends, viewed through any lens of any research you look at, Southern Baptist churches are in the midst of a health crisis and have been for many years. Our membership, we used to claim 15 million. Thank God they finally got real and got transparent and thinned that down. 15 million you couldn't find. 8 million of them with the FBI and the CIA working together on Sunday morning. They on a roll, but they ain't on the service of the Lord. And guys, I want you to think about this with me. Everything that is alive. Is changing. The only things that ain't changing is dead. If you get an artificial plant, that's the kind some of you ladies might need. You don't have to do nothing to it. You can treat it anyway, It'll just always be the same because it's dead. But it'll never bear fruit. It'll never reproduce because it's just dead. Them chairs are dead. Some church members are dead. But friends, listen to this. Healthy things grow. Growing things reproduce. They bear fruit. God made it that way. And reproducing is the result of being healthy. The reason churches aren't growing is it because they can't find the right growth program. There's books you can go to Lifeway. They're selling them by the dozens. How to grow the church. How to reproduce. How to reach this group of people. Let me tell you. If you're a healthy Christian, you're going to reach other Christians. If you've got a herd of sheep and that herd is healthy, those sheep are going to make sheep. And if you've got a church full of people that are saved by the Spirit of God, born again, and God is in them, them people's going to make other Christians. The reasons that the church is struggling is not because we don't know. Lord knows we've studied it enough. We've read it enough. We've got enough knowledge to win the world over three or three times. But we're unhealthy. We're not growing and exercising ourselves in godliness. Friends, I want you to listen to this right quick with me. The analyzed data from our annual church prof- profile, that's the ACP. We turn one in every year. How many people you baptize? How many people join the church? How many people's in your membership? We've got our active membership, and then we got all them people. We ain't getting them off of there no matter what. we counting them. It's a shame that most of the time our active membership will be 100 and our non-after membership can be as much as 600 <laughs> but friends i want you to think about this the analyzed data from our annual church profile consistently finds that less than 20% of reporting southern baptist churches are experiencing growth less than 20% of people who do in what we do right now in the sbc are reporting that they are experiencing growth over 82% of american churches as a whole All of us together are in decline or plateaued and stuck and are not growing. Because of that, each year, 3,500 to 4,000 churches die in North America and close their doors for the last time. Last year, over 900 SBC churches closed their doors one Sunday for the last time. 50 to 60 churches in North America as a whole close their door every week. Just last week, I was at a meeting. I'm on the board for the um, Camp Bethany, and we're hunting money to try to do some stuff that needs to be done. It's got a lot of stuff that needs to be fixed. And Brother Lang said, I've got some money. We just sold a church. I said, what? Yeah, he said, they closed down Emmanuel over there by Vivian. He said, and they just brought us the keys. Said, "Do what you want." He said, since they right down the road from First Baptist, there was no other need for another church that close, and because it hadn't been healthy in years, we just sold it. But at least we can use the money to invest it in kingdom work at Camp Bethany, and the people were excited to know that that was going to happen. I command, I applaud them for that. But guys, listen, it doesn't have to be that way. Why does that happen? When there's sinners everywhere you turn. My prayer for us, for Bethany, is to realize that what we got is not normal right now. That what we see happening is an extra special blessing from God, my friend. I pray we will see that the church today all across America is in need of healthy transitional change. I know what they say, nobody likes change, especially babies. They even cry about it. But friends, I'm going to tell you something. If you're not changing, you're dead or on the way to being there. Because, friends, dead things, they don't grow. They don't reproduce. They decline until they're dead. So I want us to look today at what Paul's saying here to Timothy. He says, Timothy, I'm writing this so that you'll know how to conduct yourself in the house of God. These are the things you need to do and practice if you want to be a faithful, fruitful Kingdom church that's making a difference for why God put it there. And I believe these are things you're going to find in every spiritual healthy church. A spiritual healthy church is going to be a place of prayer. If you don't pray, you're not helping us. Thank God you're here. It's going to be a place of preaching. Man, you're going to come not for any other reason except you've got a hunger for the word of God. You don't want to hear what the news has to say. You're tired of listening to what everybody else out there has to say. You come because you want to hear, thus saith the Lord. You don't want it watered down. You don't want it to come at you in an easy You want the whole dose. You want it preached the way it's written. That's a healthy church. And it's going to also be a place of praise, unashamed to praise God, to say, Jesus is Lord. He's King of kings. He's my Savior. He's the Creator. He's the only hope. Eternal life is found nowhere but in Him, and He's my life. And I gladly give it to His service. Friends, that's praising the Lord because He saved me. Praising the Lord because He's helped me. Praising the Lord because when I'm in the... Pit of trouble, he's there with me. Amen. When I'm in the fire, I'm like them old three Hebrew boys. They looked down in there and said, didn't they put him in there by himself? Who's that in there with him? It's James Jesus. Praising him because you're here today. And friends, listen, I want to talk to us this morning about this right from this little book. The Healthy Church exercises praying to God. Prayerless people are powerless people. People that don't pray ain't got no life of God going to be manifested in you. You can't even win your own family if you ain't praying. You ain't going to win your neighbor if you ain't praying. And you ain't going to be godly if you ain't exercising the things that Paul says we need to be doing as the church, not only individually, but corporately. I don't know if y'all noticed, but during the pandemic, we got all distracted. Lord knows we got in the flesh. But, you know, we've been trying to get back in the spirit. And a while back, not very long ago, we decided, me and John, said, we're going to start praying here. And I went and talked to the men. And it was amazing. The same Sunday that I went to talk to the, the older men's Sunday school class, Brother Kenneth told them to me, our chairman of Dayton, said, we're going to start praying again, preacher. I said, praise God. They already had wanted to. We started praying. Do y'all know it was not two weeks, three weeks, Four weeks. It was almost immediately that I began to see a difference in the spiritual atmosphere again. I began to see God begin to work in us again. Just a while back, we decided we'd pray for Sunday on Wednesday and actually at the Wednesday night prayer meeting, we pray together and we called on specific people. We've been calling out certain people. We're praying out loud. Everybody in there that'll pray out loud is getting called on and we're praying together more than we used to. We don't just write out a list, call out names, and the preacher prays and does a Bible study. We've been praying. And friends, I don't know if you noticed, but things been happening. People's been getting saved, and people's joining the church. we baptized some people. Friends, I don't think that's a coincidence. In fact, I know it's not. Everyone worries about our leadership in our nation. and Everyone's worrying about wars and The absence of peace and the turmoil in the world today. Well, Paul tells us right here, men, in chapter 2, verse 1, if you want to read it with me. Therefore, I exhort, first of all, supplications, that's petitions, that's praying for others, that's what that is. Prayers, intercessions, and giving thanks be made for all men, for kings and all who are in authority so that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence, for this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. Look at what he says down in verse 8. I desire, therefore, that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and without dissension. Friends, I don't know about you, but if we started praying more and quit complaining less, If we start believing more and quit worrying less and the men of God got together, lifted up holy hands in unison and prayed, maybe something might happen more than what we're seeing. But folks, if churches ain't praying, I can promise you they're not going to see healthy growth. Families that pray together stay together, but I think it's more than that. Families that pray together grow together. Families that grow together, reproduce together. And you get a family, you get a daddy playing in front of them kids and a mama praying, and they know y'all go to bed at night praying. You get up in the morning praying. You're praying over meals. When something happens unexpected, daddy loses his job, you don't lose your mind, you pray. And they watch that. Them's the kind of families that God blesses and he fixes. Churches are the same way. When churches pray together, they'll stay together. The devil won't divide them. The devil won't separate them. If there's any church that God's going to hang out in, I believe with all my heart, it's the praying church. And friends, there's way too many of us that ain't praying all week, even by ourselves, much less with others. Friends, listen to this. The house of prayer is the place where God dwells, And that's the place where he establishes his kingdom work. The kingdom of God can only be advanced when the church prays with God about everything and lives a lifestyle of dependence on him, exemplified by we pray. Brother Dennis has taught me something. I've learned my lesson the hard way so many times. I pray I don't do it again. Don't do it till you hear from God. Don't just do it because you think it'll work. Don't do it till God tells you to do it. And how's that happen? You pray, you spend time with Lord. You see, listen to this. We must receive all of our plans, all of our strategies needed to fulfill our purpose on earth in this church through a life of prayer. You need to pray for the pastor to hear from God, for God to speak in his life, to give him wisdom. You need to pray for the deacons. They need to be praying for one another that God directs our paths, that he is the one who guides our steps. I got that backwards. (laughs) But y'all know what I meant. God's desire is for every ministry within the body of Christ to be saturated in prayer. You can't pray too much, folks. And praying is one of the things we lack. I thank God for a worship leader that's a praying man. He'll get to praying sometimes say, no, Lord, I still got to preach. Help him get finished. (laughs) (laughs) But I thank God for everybody that prays. Man, I sat in a circle with my fellow brothers in Christ this morning in a Sunday school room, and we prayed. And I heard their hearts, and... What they was praying was amazingly similar to me. That's called one accord, being in one spirit, hearing from God, and we pray in unison with God's will. Friends, when that begins to happen, God's house can be called a house of prayer. And that's what Jesus said his house should be, a house of prayer. But I'm going to tell you something else. A healthy church exercises preaching the word. Amen. You know what Paul told Timothy in the second letter? He, he couldn't tell him everything he had to tell him in one letter, so he wrote him another one. He said, Timothy, the time's going to come where they're not going to endure sound doctrine. They're not going to want to hear the true word of God, but you preach the word of God anyway. <laughs> you preach it in season when they want to hear it. You preach it out of season when they don't want to hear it. You preach the kind they like. You preach the kind they need. That's why you don't just convince them, you rebuke, you exhort. With all long suffering, you keep teaching them. You keep telling them what the Word of God says. You preach. Because nothing is more important in the church than preaching the Word of God. Out of all the things that God uses in the church, my friend, it's preaching that saves people. No one gets saved without the preaching of the gospel. No one grows in sanctification without the preaching of the truth. Jesus said, Sanctify them in thy truth. Thy word is truth. Friends, listen to this. John the Baptist came preaching. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness, Judea, and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. Jesus said he was sent to preach. From the time Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. In Luke four forty three, Jesus said to them, I must preach the kingdom of God to the other cities also, because this is the purpose that I was sent. And he was preaching in the synagogues of Galilee. The apostles were so committed to preaching the word that the church grew so fast. Man, they had 3,000 that got saved, then 5,000 got saved. You get to chapter 6, and man, they're having trouble in the church. Did you know that a growing church has trouble? The churches with less trouble are the dead churches devil ain't messing with dead churches. He's after alive churches. Can you get an amen on that? And they were growing, man, so much it gave problems, growth problems. Praise the Lord. If I'm going to have a problem, man, I hope it's trying to do something that God has caused the disruption by, not the devil, amen? And they had so many that they couldn't feed the widows. And so they got seven deacons to come on and help. And it says, this is what they say in Acts chapter 6, verse 2. The apostles said, It is not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables, but we will give ourselves continually to prayer and the ministry of the word. Healthy churches, the word of God is the centerpiece of everything they are. Nothing defines us more than what we believe about this book. Nothing changes us more than what we do with this book. As important as prayer is, you don't even know how to pray without instructions, without wisdom from this book. You see, Paul said that he was appointed to preach the gospel. That's what he says. As a matter of fact, he says it in this letter. Look at it with me. Hope I can find it. I done got twisted up here. I got so much marks in my Bibles nowadays, I might have to get a new one. Y'all have to believe me. It's in there somewhere. (laughs) It's a test. See if y'all going to trust me. Now I know that's in there. Come on, Jesus. I'm hard-headed. I'll waste all day looking for it. I'll find it here in a minute. But anyway, Paul said that I was appointed to preach the gospel. He told Paul, Paul charged Timothy, preach the word. You know why? Because preaching the word of God is the most important activity in the church. No one got saved unless somebody preached the gospel. No one grows unless somebody preaches the truth of God's word. And friends, listen, what we need today is more preachers, more Sunday school teachers whose ministry is built up on the primary purpose to teach and preach the holy word of God. If you go into a Sunday school that ain't teaching the Word of God, you may have fun, you may have fellowship, but you'll never exercise yourself to become godly. And there's a whole lot of them that it's all about fellowship. There's churches, whole churches like that, jokesters, entertainers, in the name of Jesus, taking the gospel, afraid to even say, That without the blood there is no forgiveness. That the cross is the only way. That there's no other way to be saved but through Jesus. And that just there is a definite right and wrong that God, what he says, thus saith the Lord, trumps the whole majority of the world if God says it in his word. That's what we need to get back to. That's what a healthy church is. A healthy church is someone who has received, James 1 says this, James 1, verse 21, receive with meekness the implanted or the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. Do you remember when the word took root and the word began to grow and it brought salvation to your soul? Jesus said in 1717 of the Gospel of John, sanctify them by your truth. Thy word is truth. You can't be sanctified. You can't be set apart. You can't grow in holiness and godliness without the truth of the word of God. 1 Peter 2, 2 says, as newborn babies desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby. I don't know about you, but it's amazing when I'm in the word and I'm letting the word get in me, I don't have to focus on growing. I don't have to try real hard to be godly. When I'm praying like I'm supposed to and I'm exercising prayer in my life and I'm daily in the word, guess what? It just begins to happen. You see, growth is something that's natural. You can't make it happen. God does it. And friends, listen, today we have way too many people who think that they and be godly just by going to church being religious all I did was go to church I'm thankful you come to church on Sunday that's great it's commendable but it's not going to help you to stand the rest of the week a church that is healthy and that is an important thing I'm going to show you will have praying as a regular part of life exercising together they'll have preaching the word will be a main thing in their life and in their identity of who they are but I'm going to tell you something else A healthy church exercises praising God. Baptist churches, in my opinion, the majority of the ones I've been associated with, and I know pastors are, man, they they, they got the word. We got good theology. We got good sound doctrine in the Baptist churches. I don't know about praying sometimes. We always can pray more. I've never prayed so much that I said I've made it up. I'm praying. I always feel like I'm lacking in praying. But I'm going to tell you where we lack praising God. It, it breaks my heart to see people in church look bored to watch their watches yawn and go to ball games and go berserk. So don't tell me you can't get excited and praise and act a fool for something you like. I've been to ball games with Little League since I've been a preacher and watched you. The same people who sit here looking bored Sunday after Sunday will embarrass you if you go to the ball game with them. they'll be colored up screaming and hollering shouting but we don't shout preacher I'm not that type of Christian I'm dignified the frozen chosen that's what sister Cheryl called them from why not she said I got too much of that what's their name of their church Presbyterian in me Marvin I'm one of the frozen chosen I said well let me thaw you out sister (laughs) You keep coming here, I'll get some heat on you. (laughs) But friends, listen, the Bible says this, not Marvin. Hebrews 13, 15 said, Therefore by him, him being Jesus, because of him and your life, what he's done and what he's doing. Because you're exercising prayer. You're exercising and following the word of God. You're seeking him. Let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God. Not with your heart. That is the fruit of our lips. If it's in your heart, it's going to come out your mouth, brothers and sisters, I'm here to tell you. You may not be like me. I'm I'm emotional. I I am one of them kind of people that shout. I, I, I have not been to a church yet where there's been a pastor yet where I haven't been told, Brother Marvin, could you go calm them down? They're distracting me. Could you go talk to them? They're making it hard for me to worship. I got news for you. If somebody shouting amen, hallelujah, standing up with their hands in their, disturbs you, you do not want to go to heaven. Because you're going to be disturbed, my friend. Friends, I'd rather have to try to calm down a fanatical if I had to anytime than try to raise the dead. But I ain't going to try to shut one up. My whole purpose for being here is to wake him up, to get him to stand up and to get him to speak up. And he's finally doing it. I ain't shutting him up. I hope we come one day when they're so loud. Y'all tell me, you preachers, wait a minute. We can't hear you. You've got to let people. Last Sunday, I was amazed. I could hear y'all. Y'all were getting into it and shouting. Friends, listen, praising God is really important. Let me tell you why for a little while. See, God gave us our own praise words. Hallelujah, that song. I did not tell him. I didn't know he was going to sing that song. Hallelujah is a gift from God. Did y'all know that the words hallelujah and the words amen are two words that are universal in every language. They are translated and pronounced the same around the world in every language. There is no transliteration for hallelujah. Don't matter where you go, hallelujah is hallelujah. It don't matter where you go, amen is amen. Can I get an amen? Amen. But they got so many Baptists, they never said it. Won't let it come out of their mouth. In case you're wondering and you're scared to say it because you don't really know what it means, amen just means this. This is true. Let it be. When you hear a preacher shucking the corn and he's in the word, especially when he's preaching some kind of... Doctrine nobody wants to mess with. Something that's tough. He's done went out on a limb by himself with thus saith the Lord. And there's a whole crowd that ain't going to want to hear it. When a church, when they come to this church and we preaching something that God has showed is controversial because the world don't want it. But God said that's the way it is. When a lost man comes in here, he ought to not just hear a preacher preaching it. He ought to hear a whole church house full of people that are saying this is what we believe. Amen. Let it be. Preach it, brother. Praise God. Hallelujah, Jesus. That's it. We had an old man at my other church named Brother um, Rawls, Bob Rawls. He was in an electric wheelchair. Man, he'd be sitting out there. I'd get to preaching. He'd get to hitting that little old stick shift. That thing would be doing this. He'd be going, hey, man, brother, you preaching now. That's good preaching. Don't quit, brother. Man, it'll fire me up. But guess what it also does? It tells lost people in the world that we all believe this. We all say this is true. And we all ain't ashamed to say hallelujah, Jesus. Friends, I'm here to tell you that praising the Lord is not an option for a church that wants to be healthy. Because listen what Paul says right here, where we started out. If you are praying and exercising prayer, and you are in the word and exercising the word, And you're following what it says. Look what Paul says in verse 6. He said, Timothy, if you instruct your church, if you instruct the brethren at your church, in these things, you will be a good minister of Christ. And you'll be nourished. Nourished. I don't know about y'all, but you can look at me. I like nourishment. And he said, Timothy, you'll be nourished in the words of faith. See, there's some words that ain't of faith. He says, reject them, O profane wives' tales. Exercise yourself toward godliness and be nourished in the words of faith and of the good, sound, healthy doctrine which you will be carefully to follow. I'm a firm believer that if you've been nourished on the things of God and God is feeding you and He's putting something in you, it's going to come out. You can't help it. Let's look at the physical side. What happens when you eat a good meal and you're eating healthy and you're eating regularly and you're eating all the major food items that make you healthy? Do you know what happened? You fart. Now, for those of you who's upset, just chill out. You ain't that holy. If you're eating good, if you come to my house and hang out a week before you leave, I promise you, you will do that. But man, we so like, oh man, farting's bad. Farting's natural. God made us to do it. If you don't believe me, look it up, study it. I checked it out. Is there anyone here who's never farted? There ain't no Baptist. Whether loud or silent, odorless, or you know what, we all do it. And doctors, my friend, doctors say the average person forts anywhere from 5 to 15 times per day. Forting is a normal part of digestion that reflects the activity of the bacteria in your gut breaking down your food so that you can be healthy. I'm healthy, babe. (laughs) I'm going somewhere with this. I got permission from God. While farting every day is healthy, excessive farting is known as flatulence. So if you call it flagellating, that's not true. It's only flagellating if you're unhealthy and you're doing it too much. Because listen what it says. If you regularly fart more than 20 to 25 times a day, you may have a health problem <laughs> called flagellance. But all normal people do it. Friends, listen, if you're eating what you're supposed to eat and you're eating healthy, physically, you're going to do that. If you're eating spiritually what you're supposed to eat and you're exercising yourself to godliness and you're taking care of yourself spiritually the way you like to take care of yourself physically, when you come to church, something's coming out, friend. I am convinced after three churches in 25 years that tons of Southern Baptists are spiritually constipated. And I'm here to give you some freedom today. There ain't nobody here that hasn't been riding down the road by yourself and let her rip. So practice that during the week. When God blesses you, when he fills you to the full, and the blessings has filled you up, and you're so satisfied in God you can't help yourself, just say it at first by yourself. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Listen to some radio preaching and practice up. Amen. And then when you come to church, be ready. and Join the team. Hallelujah. Jesus is Lord. Preach it, preacher. Friend, can you imagine the witness when a lost person comes here and we are so excited about Jesus that they look at us and say, man, that man, I was preaching the word. Them people love it. Man, them people's praying. Them people's excited. Friends, listen. I am convinced today that the quiet church is the dead church. The live church is excited. They're they're, they're, they're praising Jesus. Now y'all pray for me because I'm going to get killed when I get home. (laughs) Them folks know what I'm talking about. I don't know about you. But when I'm doing the things I'm supposed to do and eating the things I'm supposed to eat, I'm shunning all that profane old fables and junk, and I'm eating on the Word of God. I'm praying. Man, when I come to church, I can't help myself. I got to praise the Lord. Amen? I got to say amen. I got to shout. Friends, it's natural. Why is this important? Why is this important? It's important because of our purpose and mission of why we're here. Only a spiritual, healthy church can accomplish the mission and fulfill the purpose of why we exist. Y'all have seen this before. It ain't never went nowhere. When I was at my other church, I just prayed and I said, Lord, I want you to give me a universal mission for your church that I can show to my church that everyone can understand that we can all be unified together together. And realizing that what we do together in all so many different ministries and all so many responsibilities is to accomplish this one purpose and mission. And God gave me this, and this is, as a pastor, what I operate by. Even if I ain't sharing it to you all the time, it's always right there. But we, the church, exist to impact this generation with the love of God. How do you impact people with the love of God? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him won't have to perish but will have everlasting life. God demonstrated his love toward us and while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And we are to impact this generation, not your last generation. The generation that God put us here is our generation to win to Christ. So we're committed to influencing the culture, not letting the culture influence us. How do you do that? We live by proclaiming the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Friend, the gospel ain't just to get you saved and leave you alone. You got to hear the gospel on a regular basis. And you got to learn the gospel because Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of God for salvation under anyone who believes it. No one's getting saved because they're on a membership roll. No one's getting saved because they did some life change and did a New Year's resolution and quit some bad things. They only get saved when they hear the gospel. What is the gospel? That Jesus Christ, the Son of God, left his throne, came to earth, was born a poor baby in a manger, lived a regular common life as a carpenter's son in a little place in the middle of nowhere that none of us had never heard of. It was that that was his home. And he lived and he did a life that no one has not heard of. He was God in the flesh. And he lived a perfect sinless life. And he showed us how and who God is. When we've seen him, we've seen the Father. He said, I and the Father are one. And he died on a cross to pay the price for me and you to take our sins upon him And he suffered for you so that you won't have to suffer for him. He died for you so that you won't have to die eternally. And he gives you today eternal life if you believe in him. He'll forgive you of your sins. But you got to tell the culture. And friends, listen, when you receive Jesus, it's a life-changing experience. No change, I don't think you met him. Jesus is a life-changing changing event when you encounter him and so we strive to enable people to grow in spiritual maturity that's what we're doing today resulting in a changed life so what do we do look at this this is why we're here this is why God put us here to impact this generation to influence the culture and to impart life-changing grace friends you can't do that if you're spiritually unhealthy unless you've been impacted unless you're being influenced and have been influenced and unless God's grace is imparted into you and changed your life, you're not going to save your lost kids. You're not going to make a difference in your hell-bound grandkids. You're not going to change your neighbor, and we certainly ain't going to help America. That's why we got to be healthy. I want you to think about this. What do we do? It's not as complicated. The main thing we do, this is our biggest bang for our buck. This is where we can reach more people, and most people will come to this and hear the truth. We provide a spiritual worship experience that is both relevant and biblical to the Caddo Parish area. And for you Texans, that means Panola County too. It's just hard to fit all that in there. <laughs> but for this whole area, this is our Jerusalem. We start here in our Jerusalem and then we move out to our Judea and we go to the other ends of the world from this little place. Right now as I speak, Aden's in where? Honduras. We got Rosie over in the Middle East. Came out of this little church. Because why? We preach the gospel. We stand on Jesus. Friends, listen, when I say relevant, it has to be relevant. It has to be something that will reach the generation now, but it can never not be biblical. You see, you can be biblical and not be relevant. But friends, I know it's a sacrifice to change how we do things But if we want to reach the people that's unreached, we sometimes have to do things differently. But we never change the Bible. So we preach the Bible. Why do we do that? Why do we change? Why do we allow transitional change to happen? Why do we move out of the old sanctuary into this sanctuary? Because we want to reach the lost and save people who are not connected to God and his church. Why do we spend money on a parking lot? Why do we work and cook and do everything to get people here so that somebody can be saved named Isaiah. Hey, brother, God bless you. And friends, listen, it still works. The problem is most churches ain't healthy. That's why they don't share the gospel. That's why they don't pray. That's why they're just going through the motions. And friends, I want you to see this part. How do we do it? By doing what we do through dynamic praise and worship, sound biblical preaching from God's Holy Word that applies to their lives and influences them for Christ. Dynamic praise and worship has nothing to do with music, styles, or preferences. It has to do with people who are willing to do the best they can with what God's given them. People who will sacrificially come and practice. Guys, If we could do a dynamic choir, I'd be for a choir. But I've been in three churches and I've heard it over and over and over. We want a choir, but nobody comes. Nobody will practice. And then you go up and you got bad choir music. If your people ain't going to be dedicated to come, and I want to tell you something. I'm amazed at this young boy, how he could get them here Friday and they stay three hours and they have fun and they eat together and they fellowship together and they disciple one another. They help, they take up offerings for one another. They're a intricate part of this church and friends at the end, it might not be the kind of music you like, but it's done good. It's done with quality. It's an offering worthy to give to a king. He's the best we can do. We've practiced. We've spent the money. We've done all we can do to invest in this so that when we stand here, it'll glorify God and it'll bless people who come. And we try to do it for everybody. We try to do half this and half that, but you know what I found? You're never going to make everybody happy. You You know what happened Friday night? We had packed room, standing room. God moved. Man, somebody got saved. Three people rededicated. And a man come and chewed me out in this most, un- uh, most ugly, unbelievable attitude because we didn't pray for the Ukraine. And I said, I'm sorry, brother. I just didn't think of it. Well, you should have. I mean, ugly. And I was letting it bother me for a while. And I said, Lord, I ain't letting that devil... Carnal person, ruined this night. I rebuked him in Jesus' name. Friend, we pray for the Ukraine every Sunday. If he'd come to this church, he'd hear that in our Sunday school classes on Wednesday night. But friends, listen, dynamic praise and worship is good worship. I love what Brother Dennis said. Brother Dennis said, no music is better than bad music. And friends, one thing we ought to say, it may not be our kind, but our music is dynamic. It's worshipful. It brings glory to God. And the truth, the proof is that God's being blessed. He's adding to our number. And sound biblical preaching, y'all in trouble because this is what you got. But I'm going to tell you what, you may not hear the most gifted speaker. You may not hear the most elegant English. I may say things that curl my wife's hair. Pray for me. I'm, you heard a Facebook prison. I'm going to be in Diane prison. But I tell you what, I'm going to preach out of that book. And I'm going to do everything I possibly can to say what it says, how it says it. And I'm not going to back down or shut up. I'm going to say this is what the word says. If you've got a problem, go talk to the author. Amen. And we're going to preach it. And friends, listen, in a way that it applies to our life. Now, we all know now what we need to do. It's what we need to do. Why do we need to do that? We need to be healthy. Because let me tell you something. It takes a spiritual, healthy church to impact, to influence and to import change into a lost and dying world. You can't do it when we're as sinful as them. You can't do it when we're no more godly than they are. And the church has become way more like the world than we have become like Jesus. We need to become more like Christ and less like the world. And if Christ is leading us, we will say the world behind me, the cross before me, I have decided to follow Jesus. And we won't be ashamed. We won't apologize. We'll say that's what Jesus says. And this is where we stand. I'm going to ask you to stand to reunite this night, to rededicate as our band comes. You may not be saved today. It doesn't matter where you've been, what you've done. Just as you are right now, Jesus will save you if you'll come. If you'll come forward, we'll let you sit on this front Right here, and one of us will explain to you if you need more. But right now, I'm going to tell you just as simple as I can. Jesus Christ died for you on the cross. He took your sins, and he paid the price that you owe towards God for your transgressions. And when you trust him, his blood is applied to you, his sacrifice, and you are forgiven, and your sins are removed, and God allows you to be reconciled with him. And he will save you today and you can come into a relationship. I'm not asking you to be religious. I'm not asking you to join a church, although we'd love to have you. But I am asking you to commit to a personal relationship, to trusting Jesus as your Savior and following Jesus as your Lord. And if you do that, your life will never be the same again. I'm not, can I get an amen? amen? How many of you knows what I'm talking about? And you will never look back from that moment when you come to the cross. You'll always know that God did something i'm inviting you to come receive that for those of us that are saved you need to come home if you're not where you need to be and god is waiting he's merciful jesus said if you will confess your sins he's faithful and just to forgive us of them and if you just want to come and recommit publicly say I'm coming to rededicate my life what a glory that brings to Jesus and accountability and celebration that's what it's all about it's a witness to everybody that we are not ashamed to follow Christ in our life maybe he's telling you to join this church I don't know but you are welcome if you're saved and you want to follow Jesus that's all it takes amen so I'm inviting you today to respond to what Christ has offered what we gonna sing brother I have decided I have decided If you need to come, come now. Father in heaven, we just pray, thanking you for the truth of your word, thanking you, Lord, that when we exercise praying and we exercise the word of God in praise, that, Lord, you change us. You make us into the person you want us to be. In Jesus' name, amen.